Welcome to the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here on Tuesday, April 28th, 4.09 in the afternoon. And the draft is complete EA, but football never sleeps even in the pandemic. And the Jets virtual offseason program is officially underway. Yeah, how about that after the first virtual draft in NFL history where the Jets added nine selections and then they traded for a veteran and cornerback Quincy Wilson. Uh, They start their virtual program this week, so that's underway. And uh, one of the things that has stood out to me throughout the offseason, Greens, is this team, this organization, really made a tremendous transition to – working at home via vehicles like Microsoft Teams and the draft process. The guys raved about uh, the interaction, the communication Joe Douglas and his personnel staff had with the prospects and getting the coaching staff involved with that. And now I think you're going to see that carry over as the Jets begin this offseason program because, um, you know, Adam Gase, uh, he, he he said the staff thrived throughout that pre-draft process, and I, I expect them. I expect that to carry over here as the the off season makes its next step or takes its next step. I kind of buried the lead here. EA and I caught up with head coach Adam Gase himself for about 15 minutes. And of course, we talked all things Jets and the virtual offseason program and what he thought of a couple of the offseason additions here for the green and white. And I don't know about you, EA. I thought that it was refreshing to hear some some football talk. And I know we've been so focused on the draft, but really this is the time of year typically where there is a sense in the building that not only are you excited about the draft and the guys that each team just brought in, but now you're turning the page towards training camp. And I know everything's kind of up in the air with the pandemic going on, but it was still nice to hear from Adam Gase and thinking about where this team is and where this team could be in the regular season. Yeah, Greens, I think this is a confident man right now who's feeling very good where his team is at. You know, go back over the weekend when he met with the media and he said, right now I think Joe and the personnel department have done a great job is lining this thing up the right way and finding the right type type of guys and really the right fit what we're trying to do. So you're seeing that uh, connection between these two and that's the way it's supposed to work. So I think I think it's very exciting because this was Joe Douglas's first off season here, obviously being hired in June and the Jets went to work in free agency addressing a lot of needs and put themselves in a position to draft best players available uh, when they drafted on selection weekend. Um, but if you're the head coach, you're pretty pumped up because a lot of the best player available met your needs and Joe Douglas clearly addressed a lot of the Jets needs uh, not only free agency but the draft as well I think that's absolutely right and you know let's just dive into it right here here's head coach Adam Gase coach I mean the first things first here the virtual offseason program underway just how do you anticipate this going being that it's all virtual well good thing is we're in the we're in the age that Players understand how to use things over the internet, you know, all this online, you know, social media, those type of things. So I don't think guys really have had much of a problem. I mean, it was an easy setup. 
Uh, the coaching staff had been using this technology basically since we, we started with the college guys when we had to start doing this. And it's how we did all our draft meetings. I think everybody's so used to it. It, it wasn't really an issue. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had, it's been an easy, easy go for myself just with being able to send the, send the video online and, and sharing it with the quarterbacks and, and other players when we kind of get in those bigger meetings. I mean, it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty easy for all of us. How much did you enjoy that during the pre-draft process, Adam, that you're sharing the screen and having the guys talk their way through it. And now fast forward here, to your virtual off-season program, you've talked about the inherent advantages of being able to pop into meeting to meeting. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's interesting because I don't think everybody's paying attention. Sometimes you can pop in there, and all of a sudden, you you know, I'll pop in on the screen and and turn my mic on and just start start talking with some of the guys. Especially that first day was fun because I I got in a couple meetings there, and I don't think they really saw me coming. So. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. You know, the, the one guy I was a little upset with, Wesco didn't have a camera. So I was, I was a little down on that. I, I was joking with him. I, I, I told him, I bet you you're about 290 right now. He's, he's like, I promise I'm 265. <laughs> Wesco doesn't have a camera. He said he, he, he said he was, he was, it was, it was on back order or something. I don't know. He, he had all kinds of <laughs> Hey, so what do you think about the roster, the change? all the way from the start of free agency to now the conclusion of the draft. You know, it's, it's come together pretty, I think pretty good. I mean, considering, you know, we, we've had, we had quite a few free agents and we had, you know, some moving pieces there where we had to get done in free agency. I thought Joe and his crew did a great job of, of really kind of getting this thing rolling in the right direction and, and being smart with how, how we, how we did everything. And then, you know, when we hit the draft, it, we, I thought I thought the way they put the board together was great. I thought the way we followed the board was great. It just seemed like it was a very smooth operation. The communication was outstanding. I just I was really impressed with how we went about our business this offseason. You know, when you have so much turnover on the offensive line and the first time that these guys meet is virtually, you know, how much work can they do? together to try to better themselves once they finally touch the grass. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be really, it's how fast our chemistry is going to come together. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to be. I mean, can we, can we kind of get that on field communication rolling very quickly? I, I think the, the way these guys are handling it right now is really, really good. You know, I mean, they're trying to talk, you know, when, you know, when they can and, and I think there's some communication going on outside of our meetings with our, with our players, you know, these guys are trying to get to know each other. And the good thing is, is when you have FaceTime and you have, you know, these type of things where you can actually see each other, that makes things a lot easier. I think when you're, you know, if it was just over the phone it'd probably be so much different, but I just think with today's the technology, it, it makes things a lot easier to kind of get to know each other, even though it's not in person. Let's talk about the number 11 overall selection in the 2020 draft. Makai Becton, what a difference he potentially can make, not just in pass protection, Adam. I think it's going under the radar here just how great of a blocker he is in the run game and what he might be able to do for a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, it's uh... – you know, when you, when you have a guy, the size he is and the way that he plays, he brings a nastiness to the offensive line room. 
I'll never forget when we interviewed him at the combine. I remember when he walked in, I just thought, well, that, that's a, that's a large human being. We put the tape on. And I remember one of the first clips that, that Frank showed, he, he was just pushing this guy. I mean, it was like 15, 20 yards downfield and he got a little bit into the white out of bounds and he hit him one more time. And Frank's like a little late on that. Don't you think he goes, he should have went down. And I thought, so this kind of guy, I like being around. I mean, he takes his job very seriously. He's very, he's very physical. He's had, brings a nastiness to him. He loves playing the game. And I think that's something that you'd love to add in in, in an all-line room. You know, being the size that Makai is, obviously rookies will have their issues or their troubles transitioning to the NFL at any given time. But being that big, do you almost feel like he can mask any technical flaws or some technical flaws? It all depends. You know, in the run game, probably a little easier than the pass passing game. I, you know, when you have the way that the way that these defensive ends come off the edge, like you have to be sound technically and you have to improve throughout the year. It's these guys look for those little flaws. I mean, they study so much tape. So the more tape that you put out there, and if you have a mistake or you do something wrong with your hands or your footwork, I mean, these guys, they jump all over that and they try to take advantage of it. And we just have to, you know, make sure that we bring him along as fast as possible. And any, anytime we, we see a little, you know, little chink in the armor, we got to get it corrected and, and, and protect him from, you know, these guys having at a young player. And that's what Frank does. Well, he does a good job of making sure he finds these little, little flaws that guys has and gets them corrected quickly. And then we, you know, we improve as a group. I'm certainly going to ask you about Prashad Perriman and Denzel Mims, but you were quick to note in your news conference with the media that, Hey, you feel pretty good. Not only where, the wide receivers are, but the skill positions all over the place on offense right now. Yeah. I mean, mean, everybody keeps forgetting that, you know, Chris Herndon was pretty good. I mean, we were all pretty fired up about him and, you know, we lost him obviously with the suspension, but then he didn't get, you know, he was hurt before he could come back. And then when he did get come back, he played like nine plays, you know, I mean, it, it felt like it wasn't a, you know, a lot of time with him last year. So, we were all fired up going into the season and then we didn't, we didn't really get an opportunity to, to, to use him the way we thought we were going to. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be fun to get him back get him rolling and, and seeing how he kind of fits into the mix. And, you know, when you have multiple tight ends that you really like, and then now we, we got a, I like our group of wide receivers. I mean, Crowder's coming back. He, he brings that experience and and he brings that steadiness that, that we need. And, and now you bring in these guys that have tremendous speed and, and youth and, and these guys can just flat out run. And, you know, at the running back position, you know, we, we work, we've created some depth there and, and hopefully, you know, we can use uh, those younger guys to their strengths and then we can get Lev just really, really rolling, protect him a little bit, create some holes, let him create some explosive plays, use him in the passing game. I mean, I just think there's a lot of things that we can do. Coach, you mentioned that in your media call that Sam Darnold entering year two in your system, his brain works a lot faster. Can you just elaborate on that and kind of take us through the process in which he can start to play a lot faster? Yeah, it's just, it's growth. I mean, it's just like anything else that anybody does in their profession. You know, the longer you do it, the easier things come, the quicker you see things, the understanding is is better than what it had been in the past. 
you know, even in our meetings so far, when we're going over some of the things that we did last season, you know, he'll, he'll look at that and he'll start telling me what happened before even we can ask the question. And and you can see of, I should have did this and this is how I need to look at this. And he, he's just a, he's just a step ahead of kind of, you know, how his brain works now compared to what it was in the past before it was, he was asking a lot of questions and now it's more of he's telling us how he should have done something, which is, you know, that's great for when you're the, when you're a coach that when you start hearing a player talk like that, you're, you get really fired up and, you know, you can see like, all right, Hey, this is coming. He's really understanding this and he's understanding the why behind things. And you can tell there, there's an ir- there's an irritation too. When, when he sees mistakes that he made from last year, especially at the beginning of the year of that's not going to happen again. And, you know, the longer we go in this thing, the, the better he's going to get. Do you think he's looking forward to being an extension of the coaching staff? You said he's going to have to be that for you guys because he does have a year in the system and you're bringing in so no, so many new pieces around him. Yeah, he 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 understands that his role is is going to change. You know, it's it's not only going to be, you know, hey, you're the quarterback, it's you are an extension of of this coaching staff because with how this is going to go, he's got to be very aggressive. He has to he has to come out, he's got to tell guys how he wants things done and, you know, he's going to be with those guys quite a bit. You know, I mean, those guys you know, when they're, if it's training camp and you're in the hotel, you got more time to talk about things than, than really what, what we have as a coaching staff with the players. So, you know, if, if, you know, him being able to spend that much time with these guys and, and it, with him understanding what we're trying to do, that's going to be a, a, a positive thing for us. What do you think about him being the longest tenured starting quarterback in the AFC East as Tom Brady has departed? He's down in Tampa now and your starting signal caller is still 22 years old, younger than Joe Burrow, the number one overall selection in last weekend's draft. Yeah, I mean, it's just really crazy to think about. He he doesn't act like that. I know I just think back how, how I was when I was his age and, and I wasn't even close to the maturity level that he's at. And I think a lot of other, you know, coaches and players would say the same thing. He, he's unique. I mean, obviously – you know, his parents did a great job raising him and, and he's just, he's, he has a unique personality where he is very grown up. He, he takes this, this profession extremely serious and, you know, he has a, a great will to want to win. Does it almost help in a way where he has to be an extension of the coaching staff with all these new faces around him where he can learn the offense by teaching it to different people? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the fact that he knows it as well as he does now, and now we're going through this process of, of kind of really starting over. And, you know, we start off different with him because we're able to go over a lot of things from last year where a lot of these guys are just learning this stuff from scratch. And, and we're kind of doing a little bit of a self-scout deal with, with him. And, you know, he's, he's way ahead of everybody else, which is an ideal situation for, for what we need to be this year. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. You had some key re-signings, Brian Poole, uh, Jordan Jenkins. But I wanted to ask you about this pair of draft picks early. Highly athletic players, Ashton Davis and Jabari Zaninga. Um, everybody talks in terms of Davis, what he can do and his versatility can play the high post come down in the box and things like that. Let's talk football terminology, big nickel. When people say, Hey, he can play the big nickel. And what does that do for Greg Williams and how much stress can it put on an opposing offense? 
Yeah, I mean, really what you're what you're talking about there is you're having three safeties in there. And when, when people talk about a big nickel situation, that's really you're you're saying one of the safeties can go out there and cover a slot, you know, slot receiver. If a team's in, you know, what we would say eleven personnel, three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, you know, we're saying, hey, a safety can go out there and cover the slot receiver. You know, and and basically what Brian Poole does the majority of the time, majority of time of the time, or if a team's in uh, twelve personnel with two tight ends and and you know two wide receivers and a running back, you're saying, hey, we, we're going to play a, a, a nickel defense, but hey, one of these guys drops in and ends up playing like a linebacker spot, whether it's Jamal or Marcus or or Ashton, however 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 they want to sort it out there on defense. You know, it just gives the defense options, gives them a lot of a lot of flexibility on what they want to do. You know, I think Brian did a quite a bit of that last year. I mean, we started playing nickel so much last year until almost everything, you know, it, it's once again, it gives us another a piece of the puzzle. And anytime that we have a defensive player that can not only do a lot on defense, but contribute heavily on special teams, that's ideal. It's just harder and harder to find these guys that are able to do both defense, defensive type things and special team stuff, because, you know, it's usually one or the other. And it's frustrating as a head coach because you're always looking for kind of that perfect fit to where everybody's happy and everybody can say, hey, I use this guy. A lot of times you have the special teams coach that'll say like, oh, this guy's so good. We can't replace him. And then the defense be like, well, he can't play for us and vice versa. So you end up when you have a guy that everybody loves that that excites you because now, you know, hey, everybody's going to use this guy the right way. I'm getting one last one in here. How has your past in terms of the situations that you've dealt with along the way, being a head coach in Miami for those three years and last year, the adversity that you guys faced early in the year, maybe prepared you to face a situation like this. I mean, this is unique. I think it's really comes down to, you know, how good your locker room is, how, how guys handle adversity and just a kind of unique situation where, you know, we might not get together to training camp if, if we do, I mean, who, who knows how this is going to go and it might be a longer training camp might be a shorter training camp. I mean, none of us really know the answers to that. And it's really going to be about how tight is the locker room to where these guys communicate together kind of off schedule when we're not around. And, you know, when we get together, are these guys just going to all just wire in and say, Hey, our focus is to, you know, create as great, as great of a chemistry as we possibly can in a short amount of time. And, and if you have the right locker room, I, I think that's going to be the team that kind of can really pull out the gates quickly and then sustain throughout the season. All right, coach. Well, we very much thank you for your time and stay safe and hopefully we'll see you sooner rather than later. Hey, no problem. We staying safe. I don't think I've left my house since like March 25th or something. So Thanks to Coach Gaze for hopping on the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. EA, how about Trayvon Wesco? Doesn't have a camera? That's crazy. Uh, I don't know. Is Wesco back in West Virginia? It's not a shot at West Virginia because we got a lot of love. We got, a, we got a, lot, a lot of love for that state. But I thought 2020 that every player on that roster should be equipped with some kind of camera, maybe on your yeah. mobile device. I saw my dad on Zoom the other day. He's 81 years old. If your 81-year-old father can figure it out, I think Trayvon Wesco, who's entering his second year, should be able to figure it out. And we're having some fun here. Uh, Disclaimer, we're having some fun. Trayvon's a good guy, and my dad's a beautiful guy. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for putting that disclaimer out there. You know, I thought what Coach Gase had to say 
about Sam was very interesting. And I'm not just saying that because he's the quarterback of this team, but I totally agree when you're in year two of a system hearing Adam talk about how Sam is in an ideal spot compared to where he was last year and where you want him to be in the growth in this offense. I think if you're a Jets fan, you have to be pretty excited when you hear that. Yeah. And let's go back to last year for a second. And you think about everything he dealt with early on greens, the mononucleosis, he had off season thumb surgery, uh, players in and out of the lineup, but the Jets were still able to go six and two down the stretch. And don't sit there and tell me about who the Jets played or who they didn't play. You play the teams on your schedule. And Darnold got better in every major statistical category. And now what the Jets have done this offseason, Greens, is Joe Douglas said, I'm going to wrap my arms around you. So he addresses the interior offensive line and free agency. Then in the draft, he gets Sam Darnold a big tackle. Whether Mekhi Becton plays on the left side or the right side, it doesn't matter. Joe Douglas has been clear about it. The best five will play but not only have the Jets improved themselves that front line but they have more depth than what we've seen in recent memory so you're feeling good about the offensive line we think about the offensive line well Sam Darnold's one of his best friends is going to be Le'Veon Bell I think the Jets have a better opportunity to run the football uh, more effectively in 2020. And then on the outside, we've been talking about it for months, Greens. Joe Douglas, we both, our ears picked up when he said, I, we need more speed. We need more playmakers on the outside. We'll enter Bruchard Perryman. And then they followed up with Denzel Mims in the second round where Douglas moves back 11 picks and still is able to get a guy at Baylor who had at least eight touchdowns in each of the past three seasons. So Darnold's working with decent to good skill position talent all over the place. And don't forget about the tight end. So I think the Jets, Joe Douglas, has set Adam Gase up for more of an opportunity to have that quarterback thrive in year three. And if the Jets are going to take the next step, as Adam Gase said, we want to be part of that tournament like every team in the National Football League. Sam Darnold's got to continue to make that climb. I think the Jets are putting him in the position to continue to ascend. One more thing just before we wrap up this podcast. I want to circle back to something Adam Gase talked about. Makai Becton at the Combine, I mean, that was great juice from Adam Gase. Obviously, he walks in the interview, and you're probably astonished at what a 6'7", 364-pound human being looks like up close and personal. But how about him saying when watching the tape of a debatable, unnecessary roughness play, he goes, well, should have just stayed down. That is, I think, what Frank Pollock, Adam Gase, and Joe Douglas want to establish up front in a form of nastiness, especially in the run game. What did assistant GM Rex Hogan say? He's a furniture mover. He moves moves people like he moves furniture. Yeah, exactly. Six, seven, 364 pounds. You know, Sam Darnold was happy about that pick. Uh, He can cast a shadow on basically anybody. Seven foot wingspan. 
just uh, let's not underrate the value he's going to provide Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell, uh, most of his yards last year were after contact. So you put him up front and Gase loves players who bring an edge and are nasty. And that's what Becton is going to provide up front, uh, a critical addition. Yeah, it's cool that he, he talked about that. And we didn't even have time to get to Captain Morgan, the new Jets quarterback, uh, who they selected in the fourth round. He's going to add to the quarterback room. They're improving this roster day by day, and they did it by leaps and bounds here this offseason. Just want to give a quick preview here on the podcast. Next week, EA and I are continuing our draft-themed podcast presented by Verizon, and we're going to be breaking down each draft selection, all nine of them, starting with Makai Becton ending in Braden Man. So that's something to look forward to. But that was the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services with Adam Gase joining the pod. Many thanks to him. And EA, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.